welcome in to another episode of Hockey Royalty Live, the official podcast of HockeyRoyalty.com. Today we will be talking about Game 5, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and what we see going into Game 6. Get in the chat, like, and subscribe. Hey, let's go. All right, guys. Well, how are you guys doing? The NFL draft's going on. We got some picks being made. Joe's Giants are about to draft right now. We'll see what's going on there. But how are you guys doing? Doing pretty good. Yeah, I was watching the draft myself, following my uh, Chargers along. Got a wide receiver. Uh, give Justin Herbert as many weapons as you can, and hopefully we don't suck again. <laughs> how are you guys doing? <laughs> I'm all right. I actually... Um... Despite picking the Leafs, I do get plenty of enjoyment out of their continued struggles come postseason. Yes. <laughs> out, so uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be one of those guys rooting for uh, for Game Seven. That's for sure. May Love Canada to watch never win again. Leafs collapse. Good <laughs> watch that. May Canada never win again. Um, we got we got people here in the chat. Uh, CJ, good evening. Time for the captain and leadership group to step up. Go Kings, go. Uh, Brandon yes, uh, Raza is Clark in LA yet? Uh, I hope so. Naturally, when Lazat back in a regular jersey practicing, uh, we got an adequate fourth line again. Uh, Kings rule saying, "Did you see Russell on Lockdown Kings?" Russ, did you do another guest appearance there on the on the pod? I did. Yeah, Russell Star Eddie. Always always uh, fun talking with uh, Eddie on Lockdown Kings. Well, you, you slick devil there, getting a double podcast, and I like it. I like it. Getting the Kings, uh, <laughs> double, getting the Kings out there. Double duty today. That's right. Uh, we got Kings Real. Thanks for the podcast. Shankmaster coming in. Good evening. Nick Roman. Say, hey, fellas, let's go. Car scores. What's up, everybody? Uh, and Kings Real goes, ugh, I'm kind of sick of Tampa. I don't really care. I mean, uh, the Leafs can lose for the rest of their lives. Uh, <laughs> I care. So... Speaking of losses, uh, Kings lose game five, uh, particularly wasn't even close. Um, there was some fight back here and there. Uh, goals, we thought the counterpunching maybe would, would continue and then the Kings would get their act together. Uh, but there was no fight. There was no pushback. Uh, there was no uh, moxie uh, and all those other uh, words that you use to pump up a team at halftime. Uh, there was none of that. Uh, they pretty much got rolled the rest of the game and they lose. Edmonton's now up uh, three to two. Let's just start with the changes made. We'll start with Walker, obviously coming in for Edler. What did we see from his game? Did you guys like the Walker Jersey pairing? Uh, how did that go for you guys? I mean, I didn't dislike it. I guess I mean it's not. It's it's weird because the team as a whole just looked off. Uh, it was one. It was easily their worst game of the series. It, it was pretty much games one and two. But without that comeback effort and without Corpusalo kind of saving the day, uh, but just to kind of stick it more toward uh, Sean Walker, I thought I thought his game was okay, maybe even good. I mean, from what we've seen from Edler Jersey, it, it really couldn't get any worse, to be honest with you. So, I mean, with Walker in there, you kind of add, you added a little bit more speed. <clears throat> Um, with uh, his skating ability, uh, you had to move Jersey to the left side, which which is okay because he's obviously been more than comfortable in that position throughout the season. So, to be honest, I didn't think it was too bad. And I, I wonder if it's something it, – it'll be interesting to see what McClellan does 
Because if if the Kings would have ended up winning that game, I would say, oh, for sure they're sticking with Walker and for game six and, and see what happens going forward. But with that loss, and even though, like I just said, with, with Walker playing pretty well, I wouldn't be surprised to see them flipping back to Edler. But that so that'll be something to watch coming into game six here. The biggest difference for me was just like how, how much quicker he is. So watching the game backs when I do the uh, the shot contributions and stuff, and I made it a point because I was I wrote the article uh, the other day about how they can win in Game Six. There was a couple of clips that I grabbed from from Game Four, and just watching the difference in Edler going back to retrieve a puck or going in the corner, and then flipping it over and watching Sean Walker when doing the shot contributions, I was like, "Whoa, this is night and day about <laughs> just how much quicker he is at going to get pucks." And like we, I know I and we have talked about at length. Like if you want to beat Edmonton, you just have to be not playing in your zone. You have to try to play on the front foot as much as you can. And we we've talked about how uh, Adler Dursey has just been getting caved in. And even if it's not, even if they're not getting like scored against or whatever, if you're just living in your zone as often they are, it's going to be a problem. And that's not the case with what happened um, with with Jersey and Walker. They out attempted uh, Edmonton fourteen to six. That's a, they were in the seventy percent Corsi. Uh, in again, it's one game, but still, like that is just significantly better than what Edler and Jersey were doing. So, and and a lot of that is because. Walker's just a much better skater. He's a much better puck mover. So it just allows the Kings to be able to transition from defense to offense a little bit quicker. So, to, again, to me, it's just a no-brainer to go with with Walker Dersey. Um, I like you, Russ. I'm I'm actually expecting Adler to be back in. I just think that. Right, so, yeah. and again, I, I, I've I've said it a, a number of times on this pod that I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Todd McClellan guy. I think he's he's done a really good job, um, but I think we talk about coaches. I've talked about coaches specifically being risk averse. He's going to go into Game Six, do or die. I just don't think he's going to go down with Sean Walker. He's going to go down with Alex Hedler, the veteran who's been there and all that stuff. Although he did have some good comments, good quotes, I should say. Uh, Zach Dooley, LA Kings Insider, had a good good piece and and uh you know mcclellan did have some praise for for sean walker so we'll see i'm, I'm very very curious to see if if he sticks because it was better like it wasn't great but it was better so I, you have to be able to have a player that can skate and move pucks and, and get out efficiently and walker's just significantly better than adler in that regard it was the only thing that was better in this game versus the rest of the series uh so you know what's funny about that is statistically numbers wise that the game wasn't that bad even when adjusting for score like because there's score effects and what that means is if a team's up by two three goals generally the other team controls the shot attempt so it looks a little off it's it just skews it a bit but even when adjusting for score the kings actually had 56 percent shot attempts uh they were a little less than expected goals though the the quality of attempts were less they controlled the play a little bit more but the quality was less and i think we i tweeted out throughout i don't know what you guys thought man especially in that first period how many like high danger cross seam passes were going through the slot area in that first period in the la zone as if edmonton like made it a point 
to make those type of passes in the offensive zone that game. And they connected on the one Kulak uh, backdoor on the, on the one play. So um, Edmonton did, did have the better shot quality share uh, in that game, but it wasn't from a numbers standpoint, we've seen worse, but I, I don't disagree, Randon. Like it was just kind of flat. It felt it's, like. it's weird because it was like, I don't want to say the goals were fluky goals, but it's just kind of the goals that we had seen the Kings give up at the early parts of the season, just kind of mental breakdowns, right? With byfields, two two kind of blunders, uh, the goal that goes off Hyman's face. I mean, it's just, what are you going to do in that position? And then when you're giving up a, a, a power play against Edmonton, that's seven out of 12 on the series. Yeah, you're going you're gonna to lose a game. And that's why it's just, the numbers kind of tell a different story. I feel like then what the game actually was. I feel like the I, game was more dictated, yeah, by the Oilers, yeah, um, throughout the fair. game. But I mean, even in the third period, I was looking at the shot attempts, and yeah, the Kings like dominated in terms of shot attempts in the third period. And so I don't know. It's it's tough because as much as you want to say it's like the worst game of the series, I, I don't lose as much confidence as what I've seen from Kings fans on Twitter. It's like you go back to. You get Blake Lazat back coming into Game Six. You come back home where you get the last change, and we've seen this this change that Woodcroft has seen. Like Joe, we've talked about this change that Woodcroft has made to make or to put McDavid and Drysdale on the top line. It's really going to hinder the matchups in the middle six and the bottom six <clears throat> against the nice line for the Kings, and and especially if you're getting Lazat back for that third line, what the what a third line is going to be with Lazat and Fiala and Velarde probably. So. If they can just figure out a way to shut down McDavid and Drysaddle, get any sort of stop on the penalty kill, I think hmm. the Kings have a, a, a real legit chance here at pulling this out. So I, I have a thought on that because, yes, I I, I, I don't think the Edmonton Oilers needed to, to put them together. And if you look at their numbers when they're together versus when they're apart, they're not as good. Take Connor McDavid, for example. When he's with Dreisaitl, it's a 51% uh, shot attempts. It's 56 without. And Dreisaitl's 56 without McDavid. When you look at the expected goals, you know what the expected goals is when those two are on the ice together? 43%. 43%. That's, that's bad. <laughs> like That's in the negative, right? When you look at them when they're apart, McDavid's 54, Dreisaitl's 58. I don't see the need for them to do it. Do you think? Do you think it was because of just McDavid not getting on the score yes. sheet? It's just kind I, of. There's two things. One, I think it was McDavid not being on the score sheet, and and which to me is totally the wrong way to look at it because we talked about it. He had like a 70 percent expected goals. He was, he was dominating. dominating every shift. Dominated. He was on the end. The goals were going to come, and even still, like even if they didn't, like. The you had mismatches throughout the lineup. So, and I think the other part of it is there was a tweet from Ryan Rashad today, I believe from TSN about the, you know, the little, maybe McDavid is favoring something. And there was the big hit that doubt. Oh, the game. one where he's just, just right. mysterious yeah. news, secret news. Don't, yeah. what are you doing? Other fans are freaking out. He's tweeting it out. Did So did, did he suffer a little, a little bit of a leg injury in game three? I think that was. And did was that part of the reason why maybe he is favoring it a little bit? So they decided to put them together to take some of the burden off because it looks like he's playing the wing on that when they do that and it's dry. So regardless, though, it's like, man. So going back to game five, Rando, after the first period, I'm like, okay, 
It was a horrible start, but the Kings answered back. It's three. It's three two after one, and not only is it three two, the Kings dominate. Eh, but they had sixty percent possession. Like they they actually played pretty well. Like oh, I, I they played okay. Okay, and they 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 controlled the shot attempts. You look at the Dano line had an eleven to two in attempts in that second period in that first period of game. Like so, I'm looking at this. I'm like, okay. They've come in, Edmonton, they came out flying, they got the two-goal lead, the Kings bounce back. It's a one-goal game after one. The Kings are, have settled the ship a bit. The Deneau line is completely dominating Bukestad. So it's like if L.A. can manage the McDavid-Drysaddle combo, Deneau's line is doing work, then you need Fiala to do his job, him and, and Bilardi. Like they're, I actually felt pretty good after one, down 3-2. I actually felt okay. that that Bukestad goal was that yeah. goal was a killer. Just leaving him in front, it was just, and it's so weird because that was when the nice line was out there. It's a rare mistake from Arvidsson. Yeah. yeah, really rare mistake. I mean, you saw Deneau kind of go to the point. I think Arvidsson thought he was going to go to the point as well, and just left Bukestad all alone. And sure enough, he gets a, a stick on a tip shot. Yeah, so they were opportunistic, but I, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I I don't know what you guys thought, but after the first period, I was like, "This I don't think this is bad." Like, I think we're I think the Kings are in a decent spot here. So I still think, and I know we'll get the game six in, but I still think if they keep those two together, I still think it favors LA. Randon, I don't I don't know if you have the same what what your thoughts are on that, Randon, since you've seen them together. So David O comes in here. Edmonton says uh, Edmonton had so many breaks go their way in game five. Shots bouncing off of body parts going in. Every loose puck going their way. Bounce it should even out game six and Kings were coming in. Russell, I love your optimism. So you guys are a little bit more optimistic than, than I am. And I, obviously after the first, I was like, okay, if they can change it around, I think the second is where it got worse. I just think there was no Agreed. fight. There was no fight back. There was no, like they were falling into the one, three, one, the one, three, one supposed to be an aggressive, more aggressive trap uh, when it's played right. Like there was no four check. There was no back check. When you know, four check and back check, there's no paycheck. Like this team was lifeless. And the, I, I, I just don't think that they fought in any sort of way. Like there was zero pride shown by this team in the second period. And that's where I'm upset. Or I think like, like you got to have some fight. Like, you know, going in the second period that you're lucky to even be in this game based on how the first went out, like, and, and you don't fight back and, and put any sort of pride into the second half. They just kind of fell back in the one, three, one. The power play is absolutely abysmal. Like, like this is the worst power play I've ever seen. And, and I even tweeted after the game, do you think Trent Yanni gets fired because of how bad the, the penalty kill? The penalty kill, yeah. The penalty kill because how bad it's been in his tenure here and even worse uh, in, in this playoff period. I just think it's like you looked at the, the Kings team that I know, the Kings team that I know and love, like is an effort team. That's how we went to game seven last year. Like there was zero checking in this game in the, in the second period on like, and I, I, and Joe, like I understand I'm a stat guy too. And, and you want to paint roses like this team didn't look good to me at all. Well, I'll say, I'll say this it, though, Randy, you, you're right. And not to mean to cut you off. So I, I was very, like, I was like, okay, the Kings are in a good spot after one. I didn't have that feeling after two because you're spot on. Like the second period was, no good, no good. And I thought my hope was they could take advantage of the mismatch on lines two, three, four. They could build off of the fact that hey, Edmonton came out like 
gangbusters, and it's a one-goal game after one. So that's what that that's where I, my head was at after one. And to your point, though, Rando, it just it didn't play out that way because it it just wasn't good enough the rest of the way. Yeah, I, I just I just think that it's like that's not the team that we see, but the, this Kings team has given up lots of leads this year, right? So like mm-hmm. they have had those points in times. We saw it in game uh, game four, and we saw it multiple times in the season to where they just kind of give up. It looks like they gave up, and that, in the playoffs you can't give up. I don't care what the score is, and uh, I don't know. I mean, it just seemed. Bad. And I and, and I watch I've been watching every single game with my brothers. And after the first period, like both of them were like supremely upset. And I was a, I was too. I, don't, I didn't think the team was playing good, but I was like, hey, I was like, you like, hey, we're only down one, mm-hmm. you know, and we play horrible. Like if they come out and have a dominant period, like, like or, you know, even somewhat resembling competent Kings hockey, like we could battle back in this game. And it just didn't like they, we they folded like a lawn chair and it it wasn't it wasn't even competent hockey. The power play or power penalty kill is the worst I've ever seen it in any team I've ever watched. Period. Bar none. Like it's there's they don't do anything. Like this they is, don't chase is, the puck. So, and like and I don't the, know if you have something else to say about that, but I it's like I don't no, know. No, I yeah I totally agree. But this is this is kind of what I think is going on with the penalty kill because what what was the talk coming into the series? The Oilers have this historically great power play. That's obviously been on the been on the backs of them or the minds of all the Kings players. They're thinking about that. Hey, we have to be disciplined. We have to be disciplined, and I'm sure they're thinking that too. But if it seems like once there is this power play for Edmonton, they're all there's like no aggression and no aggressiveness. They're always it almost seems like they're just waiting for Edmonton to score at this point. I mean, Bouchard is getting no pressure up top. The way that they're able to collapse and bring this the Kings box down so tight in, in the slot, it just opens up so many more lanes and opportunities for the Oilers that you don't really see that that uh, kind of movement that we saw from the penalty kill where he was doing pretty good at certain points of the season. So I wonder if it's this it's a mental thing for the Kings right now where they just expect the Oilers to score every time they get on the power play. Which is so that's and that's where I get upset because it's like you you guys have to show a little bit more aggression here. You can't just sit back and let the Oilers dictate whatever they want to do on the power play because that's really what's happening. And it, they're scoring every time, every time, seven out of twelve. I, yeah, I've, so I've got a couple of thoughts on on the kill. I think part of it is I since the trade of of Barry and Bouchard up at the top. I mean, it is, I, and I, I don't know if I tweeted this, but I remember, I know I had this thought, like, is there a better job? It's like, everybody talks about like the backup quarterback being such a fantastic job in like sports. Playing that position for the Edmonton Oilers and the power play, we just get the puck and okay, where's McDavid and where's Dreisaitl? You don't even have to do anything. You're just, because the Kings are not the only team that does this. The King, watching the Oilers power play leading into the playoffs. Bouchard's on an island. <laughs> Nobody's near him because everybody's like they're so concerned about everybody else on the power play, right? The Big David, the Hyman, and Drysidle, and and Ryan Nugent Hopkins. It's like okay, <laughs> so they just kind of let Bouchard up there because they know he's probably not shooting. You know, this is going to come from McDavid or Drysidle. So I think there's a, I think that's part of it. The other part of it is to your point, Russ, where it's maybe a little mental. And I, and I don't know this because I don't know what 
the Kings coaching staff is instructing the Kings in this particular against this particular team against Edmonton and how they want them to play. But you wonder what you what you are are afraid of sometimes as a killer is maybe overcommitting. So maybe you're afraid to be a little too aggressive, yeah. and they move the puck so quickly that if you're too aggressive, you're beat, and it's a bang bang play, and it's a backdoor tap in type of thing. I can see that being the case, but I it definitely has the sense of like. <laughs> they're on the kill and they're just they're scrambled eggs like mentally they don't know where it's coming from but they just know it's going to be bad and and then you know that what? aggression that you're talking about too that you just mentioned how they're they're kind of afraid to be out of position in certain sports spots is we saw kupari when, when he was so good on the penalty kills is when he was using his speed to go 100%. pressure those guys in the outside yeah. but he's just not doing it because like you said he's yeah. probably worried that hey if i get beat here i'm done and I think and, that's why you're seeing you're you're seeing Bouchard at times be able to get the puck, take like one, two, three strides right into the high side. He's got a laser beam. Yeah. But I think they're so afraid of going at him for what he can do if he dishes it to one of the big boys that it's almost like we'll give him the shot. But if you're gonna give him the shot, you're gonna give him that shot from outside the tops of the circles you can't let him walk in and wire that so i and i'll say this i will credit edmonton and bouchard specifically because think about it if you're evan bouchard you're a young defenseman you haven't been running this power play for the last two years you came in because they traded i say running quote unquote he's at the top you you are solely in this spot because they traded tyson berry it would be very easy for evan bouchard to just defer every time he gets the puck but you know what? I have to, you got to give credit. Like he's not afraid if if the Kings are going to give it to him, he's going to walk in and wire one, and you know, that that's helping too. So uh, I don't know. I mean, they let they let him walk in. They let Kane walk in. They let yep. everybody walk in. Well, they, I have to give it yep. like with Bouchard though. Yeah, like like you said, Joe, he's got a missile of a wrister, and his shot is is definitely up there. I mean, it's like a perfect compliment. Like I think about yep. like like in NBA terms, like. If you got two really solid inside man men that could just run that low post, then you add like a, a really legit three point shooter to that that little tandem right there. I mean, that's exactly what they have with Bouchard. Is like you have Drysaddle and McDavid operating on the wings, doing whatever they want, throwing cross team passes, maybe making moves down and tight. And then if they open up that space, and you have a guy with the shot that Bouchard has at the top, I mean, man, that's a that's a lethal power play. And then we're, I don't know, it's like. It's like I almost just want to see another team try to stop this power play just so I can wonder if maybe it's just not the Kings and maybe it's just the power play itself. Look, just, but, to, just to make you feel better? Yeah, like, exactly. Listen, listen. Can someone else deal with this so we, yeah. we can see how bad this really They're is? They're one of the best power plays in the history for a reason. And, you know, I think there's a there's another – power plays in general are going pretty good, I think, in this playoffs. But obviously Edmonton's at a whole different level. And, and I think at this point you don't have a whole lot to lose. It can't get much worse. You know, and it's easy to say, stay out of the box, right? And I think, like I said, I wrote in the piece that I wrote the other day about how do you, how you can win game six. I was going to write stay out of the box, but that's not realistic. Like, this is a this is a playoff series. There's going to be penalties. It's an emotional series. You, you have to limit it, though. you got to try to limit Edmonton to, like, two power plays if you can. Um, and if you do that, you, I, I think you just you got to try to so be more aggressive. One nothing in fairness is fifty percent. <laughs> a little credit here. I was gonna, I'm going to spot them one. Okay, I'm spotting them one power play goal. But like, so here's the way I look at it. Like, 
you, I think you have to be a little bit more aggressive and, and take that risk of, you they're know not, what? They're not being aggressive they, at all. So they, they need to be they, any, they, any sort of aggressive. Please. If they beat you, they beat you. If they, you're, they're beating you already. If they beat you, make them beat you because you're putting pressure on them. Because to me, now I was never a power play player at this level, clearly, but whenever I've played power on power play, I don't want guys in my face. I love it when they just kind of let me give me the outside, give me the space, and then I can look around and dictate where to make passes. Make me uncomfortable is how I look at this. And I, I would like to see the Kings penalty kill make them a little more uncomfortable. And if they beat you, they beat you. But at least make them try a little bit harder at it. Lizzo, uh, Nov21 uh, comes in here and says, this is why I'm so optimistic with us getting Lizzo back. Anytime this team is listless or needs a bump, Todd knows he can throw 46 out there and make something happen, draw a penalty. Uh, he is one of the players that never gives up. And I'm not saying the other players gave up, but it sure felt like it. Uh, but he he's always that kind of that spark plug type, you know, player. Um, and it, it's just, I, I think this team needs to show some grit and some toughness and, you know, some sort of, you know, grabbing yourself by the bootstraps and all those other sayings that you could possibly have and show some sort of fight in uh, game six. And that's why I listed this podcast, what they need to do to fight back. Like this team needs to, to, you know, throw some punches, not maybe not literally, but they need to throw some punches in the game to, to, uh, to get back in it, show some life, you know, what did, what like, did you you said, like you said, park, uh, it's park and ride. So there's no momentum yeah. going to the game too, but you got to be thinking on the long flight back home, like, the players know they got beat. And so like, what do we got to do to get back in this? I, I, I don't know. What, what, what were do you about to say? Well, Joe? I was going to say, do you, what do you guys think um, of the adjustments that were made in game specifically? I going up. We, we Russ talked about it literally the day before about I going up to that top line Byfield going down. Um, I guess my question, I'd be curious to know what you guys think of what did you think of that switch? A and B, what did you think of the rest of the lineup? I mean, I think I have followed that. If you look at the numbers of the, the Kopitar line against the McDavid, like they were really good <laughs> with, with I they were really good. Kopitar, I follow, and Kempe. So, does that give you do you think McClellan stays with that? How did you think it worked for this particular game? I know they lost, but thoughts on the, the changes of swapping Byfield and I follow? Russ, I'll start with you. Yeah, obviously, I, th I think it's something that they should have started out with just because of what was going on uh, between Kopitar and Drysaddle. Drysaddle was dominated, dominating. Look at his points and, and all that. But you had I follow to that mix. I mean, we all know how good he is defensively. Probably one of the better defensive forwards on the team. So if you're able to slot him alongside Kopitar and Kempe, that's definitely going to happen in terms of helping out with uh, some of that defensive uh, need that's there. And then it, it's it sucks because I said I, as soon as I, like when I was talking about it, I, I mentioned like this is nothing against Byfield and his play just because <laughs> of, just to help I follow. But then the yeah. move was made almost because of his play because it's of the rough go. Yeah. yeah, it was it was some rough mistakes there by Byfield. But yeah, I think it's it's something that they should stay with. I think they will end up staying with it. Mm -hmm. um, and then with Lizzo back, I wonder. I would think that you'd go Lizot back on the third line, center him. And then you have uh, Fiala and Velarde on the wing positions, which would be huge because, I mean, 
Filardi's been his best when he's been on the wing. So, I mean, that's that's another thing why I have this – I'm going to quote Kopitar here. It's cautious optimism for these next this next game here. So, I mean, you get Lazat back. That's It's huge not only just to have Lazat back in his spot, but then you, you're able to move Velarde. And then it helps Fiala, Fiala out as well. And then if you're able to slide uh, Byfield down to the fourth line, maybe you get some spot uh, – spot, a good shift from him. Uh, playing alongside Kupari and Grunstrom, and then who knows, maybe even Kaliev draws in. So I, I think it's a lineup that they should stick with. What about you, Raiden? Yeah, I, I was pleasantly surprised. I wonder if they'll go back to the Byfield thing. I don't know if it's just a kind of a penalty. You know, penalty. They needed to do something to change it up. Uh, but I follow definitely that. You know, looked well. Um, I do like the Lazat. Um, I didn't. I like the way Byfield looked on that line with Fiala and uh, Velarde. It was kind of uh, what you mentioned. It was like high. It was high octane. Obviously, a couple of penalties by Fiala didn't help us out there. But um, Lazat, that whole that Lazat line with Fiala and, and Velarde during the season uh, was some of our best line during that during that streak there for a little bit. So I'm I'm fine with that. And and you know have Byfield either continue playing wing and let um, let Kapari play center. Um, you know because that's what he's been doing. And then, um, you know, they righty and a lefty, so they could take the face-offs on their strong side uh, down there. So hopefully you get some, you know, competent play. And then Grunstrom adds, adds the physicality. But you're looking at, like, you have three guys that are all hustle-type players and no real scoring coming from that fourth line. And maybe that's what you need is just a line that doesn't give up opportunities and remains neutral or po- positive in the momentum of the game to allow the middle six to score your points. I would say if if Fiala were 100% healthy, I would be a little bit more willing to roll with Fiala, Byfield, and Velarde in the middle because Fiala can drive a line, a five-on-five as a winger by himself. Like if by Fiala himself. were healthy, I'd, I'd want him to be playing with Deneau and Arvidsson again. I, 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 still, I still want him where he is, I think. Um you think it's because of the defensive matchup? Yeah, I'm a little nervous about that. And not for not, it's just that the line's been good. That they've just been good. Like they've been, yeah, they've been, yeah, yeah. Now to your point, like if Trevor Trevor Moore has been all over the shot contributions these this whole series, he's he has led the Kings. He and Victor Arvidsson have led the Kings. If 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 he could finish a little bit more, I mean, and this is when we talk about when he signed the contract, like. If he finds a little bit of a finishing touch, this is a potential 50, 60 point guy. He can spike for 60 points in a year because he's all over the ice. He's buzzing in the offensive zone. And that line in general has been so good. Um, he's been good lately I, since, I mean, you think about his concussion that he was coming back. Yes. Too. Yes. Yes, for sure. So I think I agree that, like, if you can get Lazat between Fiala and Velarde, like, that's a win. That's a he. Yeah. He is. A, he himself is a is somebody that that dishes and is a disher. And I think Fiala needs that. I think Velarde needs that. And and it moves Velarde back to the wing. I think he's done fine asking him to play center. But like, you know, he's having a career year as a winger, and I don't think that's a coincidence, right? Um, so I do think that's best. And then Byfield, I would put with Kapari. And I think there's a question you could ask of. I think the better line is Byfield with Kapari and Grunstrom. If you're going to take a shot because you're down to the series and you're trying to make something happen, I can 
buy a Kaliev going in to yeah. see does he score a goal on a Shoot, I could buy a Laferriere at this point on the fourth line, the way, the way that they've been playing, right? It's the I mean, look at look at what happened in the Seattle game. They they had Ty Cartier and he scores in his first NHL game in the So that's where that's my the the one reason why I think you would put Lazad on the fourth line is because they've been so bad. They have been yeah. caved in like relentlessly, whoever, whatever combination they've put. And Lazad could shore that up. So if the Kings feel good enough about Velarde down the middle. Um, and maybe these extra couple days to help Fiala a little bit. And then maybe they still think that third line at home is a good enough mismatch. And Lazat shores up the fourth line. And either way, I think the Kings are a better place, right? It's also interesting. back in the lineup, the Kings are a better place. That's also interesting because of the way that the Oilers are set up lineup-wise with their 11-7. Because now you have Drysdale and McDavid yep. on the fourth line. Yep. You have that matchup. But another thing I was going to ask you, Joe, is We've seen Deneau line match up against the 97-29 line pretty much all series or since they've been together. Um, or, I'm sorry, you, we've seen Kobitar match up against 97-29. Do you think they switched to Deneau? It's a great home? question. I don't know. I, yeah, I'm wondering to see how McClellan handles that. Um, because the last – I mean, at least the last game in Edmonton, now maybe it was because, again, maybe Edmonton – Played back a little bit, so they were they they weren't they, they had a couple a multi goal lead. McDavid but, only played like nineteen minutes, I think. So part of me is like, if McClellan can put them, I because here's the thing, if I would prefer to have Kopitar out against that second line because I think they have a better the Kopitar line is going to score more goals with Kopitar and Kempe. I think I trust them to score more and be more productive than the Dino line. The Dino line may just buzz and live in the zone. I don't know. I think there's a, I think the, the Kopitar line can be more productive. So I would put Deneau, the Deneau line against McDavid and um, Dreisaitl and put Kopitar and Kempe. And I'll assume I follow against that other line. And it's a total mismatch. Maybe that's what I would do too. A little, yeah. a little harsh. Total I mean, get mismatch. your forty goal scorer against easier match. Well, that's the that's that's the thing is get your get your forty goal scorer and your leading point getter out against. Not have to worry about playing against McDavid and Drysaddle. That's how I would approach it too. And you trust that that you got your 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 speedy horse wingers and more and Arvidsson to do a job. Hardworking guys to do a job. And Deneau is one of the better defensive sentiment in the game. So you, I, I think that's what you just kind of lean on. You try to get Gavrikov Roy out there as much as possible against McDavid and, and Dreisaitl, and you hope the rest of the lineup does its thing. Do you think, you, do you, do you think you'd be saying that sentence, that last sentence? A couple no. Months ago? <laughs> no, I didn't. I, it was funny. I was talking about that with, uh, <laughs> with Eddie on Locked On. I was like, damn, like. We're actually hoping to match up Gavrikov and Roy against McDavid and Drysdale at this point. I mean, got to ha- hand it to Gavrikov. I mean, he's been playing no question really well in his own zone. It's something that, of course, we were we have been talking about, but he, he's looked he's looked a little bit better. It's just it's just you lose a little of that dynamic playmaking ability that we talked about in the last podcast, yeah. where it's just they're just out there, just really playing yep. solid defense. But yes, that's pretty much all you're getting. Yeah, and that's you know that's. Not that that's not valuable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, let's uh, let's get, take it to a word from our sponsor here at DraftKings. Light the lantern hockey playoffs with DraftKings Sportsbook right now. New customers can bet five dollars 
and get $150 in free bets. If you're looking at the line for uh, for next week, uh, goal line is puck or the puck line is plus one and a half and negative 170. Or if you want to bet the money line, Kings are positive 145 right now at DraftKings. Call, download DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Sign up with code THPN. New customers can make a $5 hockey playoff bet and score $150 in bonus bets instantly. That's code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Let's get into game six. Maybe see what kind of uh, changes that we would make. Uh, we've already kind of leaked in here a little bit. Let's just start in between the pipes. Obviously, Corpusalo got pulled. Are we going back to Corpusalo or is it Copley getting the start here in game six for you guys? I'm running back Corpusalo. That's I'm just gonna leave it at that. It's Corpusalo. Uh, I thought the pull was a little harsh. So I think a lot of people equated it to um, you know, when Edmonton pulled Skinner. I don't see the parallel at all. Edmonton was up three nothing or down three nothing. They were getting shellacked. It was all LA in that first period. Talk about needing a quote unquote momentum change. That made sense. This was a two goal game. Like he was pulled after the Bukestad goal. It was a it was a two like the Kings are still in that game. It's a two goal game. I, I I didn't know that it would warranted the momentum change type of a move the way Edmonton did with Skinner. So I didn't think that they were similar in the slightest. But yeah, I go back to Corpusalo. Listen, he hasn't been. He has to steal games. Like he has. To, he has to have. He has to be a guy that's getting a save to two saves, goal save above expected every game in this series. And he was doing that the first three games, and the Kings won two games. Like if you're, if the Kings are going to be hemmed in. They need a guy that can steal a game. And Corpusalo, they need him to get back to that. But at this point, yeah, I'm going to go with Corpusalo. Yeah, I, I, I'm going I'm to triple that up there and, and go Corpy. You, you brought him in for a reason. You got to stick with your horse. And, and <clears> you know, <throat> Campbell played really well. And they trotted back out Skinner, right? They went with yeah. their guy again. So, um, yeah, you got to go with Corpy there. Uh, we already touched on the Walker change. Do you think that Walker – would you keep Walker in again or would you go with a different left? And then what do you think T-Mac's going to do? You already said T-Mac's going to put in Edler. Russell, do you agree or do you think that he sticks with the Walker pair? You know what just came into my mind is we haven't even talked about what if you pull Dursey out, you go Edler-Walker. That could be a possibility too. Mm -hmm. I mean, if, like like I, like Joe's saying, like it, it wouldn't surprise me at all to see him just, hey – Go back to the old guard with Edler, and then if Walker's getting the rave reviews that he's getting from McClellan, why don't you just go Edler Walker? Because I mean, for Jersey, he's been pretty bad this this series, unfortunately, and it's been tough to watch. So I, yeah, I could see Edler Walker being an option if if McClellan wants to make that change. Is Jordan Spence an option, or is he no. part of just the black? He's an option, right? But I don't think it's happening. Yeah, same. Same. Like, I, listen, I, I, I think those. Uh, he would. He's an. He's quote unquote an option. I just. I. I don't. And I'm not going to say I blame McClellan for not going to him necessarily, but I. I just would be stunned if. Um, if he did that, and just for for sake of just some statistics, um, Edler Walker is significantly better than Edler Dersey, which should surprise no one because Edler Dersey has never worked. So at the very <laughs> least, as much as I would prefer probably still Dersey Walker, Edler Walker is at least better than Edler Dersey. Take it for what it's worth. There's, so there's, there's actually 
There's one other thing I wanted to ask you guys about too that we saw throughout or I've seen throughout this series is the Oilers' strategy against the Kings 1-3-1. Hmm. So I talked about how at the beginning of the series that the Kings need to stick to the 1-3-1 as much as they can for the series. But what I didn't expect is for the Oilers to have a legit strategy every time it's the Kings are in that position. I mean, if you look, I've seen video is you just see the Oilers when they get the puck and the Kings are set up, they just wait. They're yep. just sitting there holding the puck, whether it's Ekholm, Bouchard, whoever it is on defense. They just sit there. And if you even see look on the bench, you can see Woodcroft literally holding his hand up, telling him, hey, wait, like, like let's wait. And so what, what, what I've seen them do is they have the defensemen hold the puck in their zone. Then they generate a ton of speed going up the wings on the boards. So that way, when you dump the puck in and rim it around the boards, when it comes to the other side, you have a forward just shooting up into the boards, yep. causing all sorts of havoc. It's kind of working right now. So I don't know, Joe, Randon, I don't know if you guys can see about – or if you're seeing the same thing, or if maybe you, you maybe see McClellan switching out to a different forecheck here. What do, you, what do you think? I'll start with you, Joe. So we we saw this in the live stream actually against Colorado – they did a very similar thing where they kind of waited, built up steam. And we talked about those hard wraps that they would do because they got the guy bombing down the other side and it made it life really difficult. And I know the Kings won that game, but they were, it was like a 65% uh, shot attempt mark for Colorado. They lived in the LA zone because of that. They didn't get in. So the thing is, what was frustrating to Colorado is they couldn't create chances off of getting into the zone because it's a stingy one, three, one, but they could get into the zone. It, it, then, then they had to go to work. Um, so they're going to stay – I mean, that is what they do. However, in one of the clips I put in the last um, – in the article I wrote yesterday was it was a dump in on a line change, okay? Ekholm went back to retrieve. And so often we see the Kings first forward, the F1, just get just inside the blue line and just kind of sit, right, and do exactly as you say, Russ. And then the Edmonton Oilers, Ekholm in this instance was the one that got the puck. He could wait wait for his guys to come they circle back attack with speed in this instance velarde chased at home and chased him out from behind the net didn't give him chance to set up didn't give edmonton a chance to come back and attack with speed so it didn't give them a chance to do what they wanted to do the kings were still in their one three one it's just the one that at top was way more aggressive and forcing the issue creates a turnover. They don't make clean passes in the neutral zone. They create a turnover. The Kings go D to D. They zip it up. They actually create a scoring chance in the first. This was in game uh, three, I think. It was Fiala's first game. They create a scoring chance with Fiala going back door to Ayafala. We just missed it. So the, 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 the short answer to that is they can still utilize the 1-3-1. It doesn't need to be as passive as it is. I think if you put some pressure on them, you can pick and choose your spots when to put pressure on them so they're not doing exactly what you're talking about, where they're building up that speed. Then you're dictating the play. You're dictating how they are breaking it. And if you do that, it gives yourself a better chance to do that. If you're going to sit there and wait and come at, let them come at you, sure, you can have your cues as to when to jump and where to jump, but they're still they're still making the plays with the puck. And if you're giving players that are that talented, the ability to do that, that's the risk you're running into. So I think, I think they have to be that F1's got to be more aggressive and 
and and and I still think they can do the one thing. I think that guy's got to be more aggressive, though. I think it just stems back to the passiveness. Like there's nothing mm-hmm. but like this is the this is the last game if you yep. don't win. Like you got to empty the tank. You've had three days off. Like that front guy has got to be causing more havoc all the time. And if you get beat, then you get beat. It is what it is. Like there is no tomorrow. But like there was times during that game where that front forward was like two feet in front of the line of three. Like he wasn't yeah, he was yeah, like yeah. barely he was backing off a yep. lot. Yeah. yeah, and it's like that. That was you know, and and they even asked. They they mentioned it on the telecast of this last one. Yep. From ESPN, they asked Woodcroft, hey, the 131s worked very well for the Kings all season long. Do you guys have a game plan for it? And all he did was smile and said, I guess you'll see, or something like that. Like he was very coy. I mean, they had a game plan for it. And like Edmonton is the team that, I mean, obviously they're just a great team. Like they are highly skilled enough to come with a bunch of speed and destroy it. And, you know, they oftentimes, I think they're they're targeting whoever they feel like they can beat, whether it's uh, yep. whether Edler or it's Fiala, whoever the defender is that they feel like it has, gives them the best chance to get by, they're tossing it to that side, right? So um, I, I think it's something along those lines of where we have to make an adjustment now. And I think that front forward has just got to be relentless. If that means shorter shifts or getting the last change or whatever, they just have to be relentless because we got to make them feel uncomfortable. Right now, they're already a great offensive team. Like the more you make them feel uh, comfortable, like you're just you're just letting them play at that point. You know, like, giving them way too much way too much respect, huh? Yeah, yeah, Hit I agree. And, and again, you're not, you're not you're not going to beat these teams by just inviting them in. Look at the, the so the New Jersey Devils today. We're up three nothing after two periods. Is there a better opportunity than in a in game five? You have a three nothing lead. In a 2-2 series, you have a chance to take a series lead and then to sit back and play it safe. Of course. What did they do? I think they out-attempted them like 16-2 to two or something crazy. It was, something, it was something bizarre, I think, at least at one point in the period. No, your best offense is to be on the front foot and don't let them play in your zone. I'm not saying you be irresponsible. I'm not <laughs> saying you are flying your defenseman and you're, you're, you're doing all sorts of things so there's odd man rush potential coming your way. Like You can still do that and be responsible. But you can't just invite them into your zone. You're asking for trouble. And if you ask for trouble from McDavid and Drysidle, you're going to get trouble. Yeah, I think it's been – it's something like they just got to show some fight. And that's, the, that's again, why I put the episode – like they got to they gotta show some, some, some grit here. Like this is it. Like I'm tired of sitting back and just watching. Like sometimes like when Edmonton had the puck, you couldn't even see a Kings player in camera view. Like that's how far back they were starting. And like, it just – yeah, it made no well, sense for Kopitar used the phrase, uh, we've got to be more assertive after the after game five. And he's 100% right. I mean, there's there's you can play a good, sound defensive system, but also be on the front foot when you when you have the opportunity to. And um, yeah, I think they just they just and and I, you know, the broadcast, this was the first game that this particular broadcast crew uh, called this series. And I think it was in the third period, and I think it was Dominic Moore, the color guy, was like, the Kings are down three goals, and they're just sitting back in a 1-3-1. Like, this game's not over, but they're just – you're not going to win that way. And then he's right. Yeah, I think it's something along those lines. You know, we just got to 
they just got they just got to find it within them, and, and ultimately that happens. You know, a team if they're going to come back from two. I mean, we all thought the series was. I mean, I thought the series was over. I thought the Kings played some of their best hockey last year in Game Five, and we stole one. And like Edmonton was just down, and they they picked themselves up and won two straight. Not to mm-hmm. say that the Kings can't do the exact same. Is there any other change that you would like to see uh, going into Game Six? I don't really have any other change that I'd want to see, but to kind of go back to Joe's point when he mentioned Kopitar talking about being more assertive, that's a player I would be looking at to lead this team. I mean, Kopitar's the captain, and I know he's already leading the team in points. I mean, tied with Kempe with seven points in this in the series, but he got the C for a reason, and this is the type of game where you're going to have to lean on your captain to pull your team through, and we're talking about how the team is showing too much respect to the Oilers, being way too passive. That assertiveness has to start start with the captain. So I'm going to be looking on Kopitar to maybe throw his body around, maybe just kind of throw 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 his weight around, just kind of put himself out there and make himself notice and, and show his team that this is a game that that they they should win. And also Dowdy too. I mean, these are two of the old guards that have been in this position before. I mean, if you look back to the series against the Ducks in 2014, they're in the similar position. Down 3-2, coming back home. Game six, they ended up winning that game two to one. And then we all know all the fun stuff that happened in game seven. So I'm going to be looking at Kopitar and Dowdy to, to do some big things in this game six in order to turn this tide around. What do you guys think is more likely? Because I think I am actually cautiously optimistic about this game six. And I'm looking at it as they're cautious. I'm cautiously optimistic because I just feel like when the Kings play a game like they played last game, a little bit more that they come out the next game, especially at home. And this is going to be like that game that they, they, I think they, they lost the game against Edmonton, but this was a game that they just, they dragged them through the mud. Like this is going to be a sludge fest. This is how I'm envisioning this game. They Edmonton, there's no room on this ice. Edmonton's not going to be able to get anything going. The Kings are going to be stingy as ever. And it's just a matter of, can the Kings win two to one or can Edmonton win two to one? And who's who's going to get the, that that break, or do you guys think it's more like a game uh, four where the Kings come out buzzing and it's three nothing LA after one? Randall, <laughs> you know, I, I, yeah, I mean, you know what's funny is I'm thinking the same thing that it's going to be this this first period where we see the Kings just come out flying. Okay, it's only been two times this year they've lost three games in a row, two times. So. I mean, this team, like they've shown this capability to bounce back from these mm-hmm. tough losses. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I fully expect them to just come out with full force. I mean, the lineup is going to be great in terms of having everybody healthy. Um, they'll be fully rested. You're going to have home. You're going to have last change. So you're going to be able to dictate matchups. So yeah, it would be, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they came out with a 3 0 lead, but that's what I'm also going to be scared of. So I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't know what to be cheering for here. <laughs> I, I just think they have to. They have to. And and it's, it's something along the lines of uh, – I keep saying it tonight. Um, it They have to just come out and on fire, and they should. Well, I mean, there's no – close to his face for this year. Yeah. There, there yeah. is no excuse for, for, <laughs> for that. Um, man, I just – I'm just nervous because I it's like – I just watching that, it was just – I thought it was just pathetic. Like, I was embarrassed to watch the game. Like, I stopped watching it in the third period. I'll be completely honest. All over at my brother's house, I left, went home, played some video games because I was like, this is not the Kings team that I'm accustomed to watching. I was embarrassed for them, uh, and they have to come in and 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 
dominate. I mean, they, I expect them to come in and try to dominate the first period, put the foot on the throat, and then you just can't let them back in it. You know, like that's the kind of game that I'm hoping for. And the, 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 the thing to remember is that the, the, and I think we talked about it before the series, or Russ maybe mentioned it before the series, was the pressure is just so much on Edmonton right now. Right? Yeah. I, there's so many people, me included, picking them to win the Stanley Cup. Like this is their year. The the pressure is mounting now, and 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 they got to win. They got to close it out. The hardest game to win in these series is 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 the fourth one. So um, I certainly wouldn't be shocked if this goes back to. Um, to we'll see. Like I wouldn't be shocked, but this could be. We'll, we'll find out what Edmonton's made up if yeah, they you, come out. You, you win Game Six, Game Seven. Edmonton going back to Game Seven. Yeah, that pressure is only going to ramp up. You know, yeah. tremendously, right? And yeah, I think it's funny because I was listening to the spitting chicklets guys. I mean, they're they're talking about how whoever wins this series is going to go to the Stanley Cup. <laughs> I kind mm -hmm. of agree with them. I mean, yeah, both we've of these teams. About that I mean, too, yeah, yeah. I think the Oilers are. We talked about it coming into the series. They were the hottest team in the in the Western Conference, let alone maybe the NHL. And the way that these teams have been playing against each other, I mean, I I, I don't for some reason I just. No disrespect to the Golden Knights and the Stars and all those other teams in the West, but they don't really scare me like the Oilers do. So Agreed. I don't know if you're just can find a way to get past these next two games and steal one, or steal a Game Seven in Edmonton. Man, round two. I mean, going up against Vegas, I feel pretty good about that matchup. It's gonna it's it's gonna be a good one here. It's gonna be a good one. Um, I know my nerves are gonna be at an all-time high uh, watching this game. Uh, but I think that's going to do it for us here, guys. Uh, appreciate you guys coming into the chat. As always, you can find our stuff at HockeyRoyalty.com. Follow us here at Hockey underscore Royalty, Randall Commando 24, NHL Russell, JW Paterino, and the rain coverage here at Kopitar 4OF or HOF. Uh, DraftKings code THPN. Go get yourself some free money out there uh, and bet on the Kings if you'd like for game six. Uh, thank you guys again for coming in the chat, man. We uh, we love having you yeah, guys wanted, in here. Yeah, we want to do more of these pre-games <laughs> and post-game shows. This, this, let's not let this be the last one. We want to do more of them. So uh, always on this podcast and for game six, go Kings go. <laughs>